Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I just I want to share some thoughts with you today because I want to encourage you. Whatever season of life you're in, I want to encourage you on some things today. And so I want to talk to you on the subject of losing Jesus. I want to talk to you about losing Jesus. Mary and Joseph were entrusted with the Messiah, literally the savior of the world. They were stewards of the son of God. And they lost him. Genesis tells us that Jesus was the only person birthed from the seed of a woman. And he was special. He was the Messiah. He was the son of God. And Mary and Joseph lost. Have you ever lost one of your children? I grew up in a family of seven. Our parents regularly forgot us. (laughs) Right? I'm like, they would do a head count about three miles down the road. And I'm back at the house on the steps crying because I've been abandoned. Inner healing helped me. But have you ever lost your child? We lost our child one time. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but we were. uh, Tara and I, when the girls were little, we decided we would take them to uh, San Antonio, to the river walk there in San Antonio. And Madeline was probably three years old, three, four years old. And uh, she's our youngest. And uh, we took one of those little riverboat tour things and, and we came, they, they parked the boat and there was this brick wall and she ran out in front of us. But we assumed she was right here. And when we came, she was nowhere to be found. And you're on the river walk in San Antonio, right? We literally could not find Madeline. She was three or four years old. And we began to panic. And all of a sudden, I realized what happened was I saw her running away from us. She thought she was running to us. Right. She just took off running. And I literally went into dad mode. I'm hollering, catch that kid, catch that kid. Right. Tackle that kid. No, I didn't say tackle that kid, but. She was running away from us, thinking she was running to us. But in that moment that you're losing your child, it's 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 really a moment. I want to take you to Luke chapter two. The story of when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. It says now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. Sitting among the te- sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. 
And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? My dad would have had a totally different response. I know you're Jesus, but you're about to get it on the backside, right? So anyway, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word and all the truth there. God, today, as we look at your word, Father, we just pray that your word would be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God, that it it would give us direction today. Father, we pray, Lord, that when we leave this place, we each have a better understanding of who you are and who you desire to be in each of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is 12 years old. So you didn't celebrate the Passover feast until you became 12 years old when when you entered into kind of adulthood. Right. It's kind of the present day bar mitzvah. And so the Jewish people every year were required to make the journey at least once a year. And the men and the women would travel separately. The women and children would go first and they would carry all the all the the needs for the Seder meal or or the Passover meal. And then the men and all the boys 12 years old and older would meet up with them later. And this was Jesus's first time to travel with the men. So like this was a big deal. Jesus is 12 years old for the first time. He'd gone to Passover every year. But for the first time, he's traveling with all the men. He's no longer a boy. And he was there celebrating his first Passover feast. Now, here's what you need to know about the Passover feast. So the children of Israel, when you go back to the book of Exodus, the children of Israel were under the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh for over 400 years. Pharaoh literally killed, abused, raped and murdered their babies until God commanded him to let his people go. None of the plagues worked. You remember God started sending plagues, right? He sent a plague of lice. And then and then Moses would go, OK, I'll let your people go. But then he wouldn't. Right. And then God sent uh, boils and frogs. I'm just telling you at frogs, I'd have been done. Yeah. And if you want to know the stupidest verse in the Bible, it is when God sends a plague of frogs and then he sends Moses to, to, to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, OK, let I, I'll let your people go. Just tell God to take the frogs away. And then Moses says, when do you want the frogs to leave? And he says, tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow. The Bible says they were in their beds, in their oven. Tomorrow, right now, I'm done. I don't even go to rain because I don't like frogs. I mean, I like frog legs. But somebody else killed them. Somebody else fried them. And I just get to enjoy them. So God sent all these plagues and none of the plagues worked until God had enough. And God sent Moses back to Pharaoh to tell him this, that on that night, the death angel would pass over. And when the death angel would pass over the homes, if if there wasn't the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, every first male Child 
and, and livestock would, would die, would be killed. And then he said this. He told the children of Israel there that the plague was not meant for them. And that they were given very specific instructions that they were to kill a lamb. Right. And you know the story and take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of their house. And when the death angel passed over, if the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost, they would be spared. Now, this was in Exodus, but this was really just a foreshadowing of the New Testament. Right. When Jesus would send his son. When God would send his son Jesus to die on a cross, that if we would take the blood of the lamb, the blood that was sacrificed, the blood that was shed for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, and we would apply it to our own lives, that we would not die. The Bible says that we may no longer be in this earth, but we will not die and we will live forever with him. Amen. If the blood is on the doorpost of your heart. So here's the deal. This Passover feast that they were attending, it was all about Jesus. Oh, he was only 12 years old, but they were celebrating a feast that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do when he hung on that cross. So the the the, the feast is, was all about Jesus. So they're at the feast and the unthinkable happened. Remember, Mary and Joseph are stewards of the Son of God. They knew who he was because you remember the angel in Luke chapter 1? In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it's not on your screen, let me read it to you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed in a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when he saw him, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Listen, he will be great. And will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And then he goes and tells her that she would conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. But so she knew who Jesus would be. She knew who she was raising. Mary and Joseph knew who they were raising. Prophets and prophetesses had prophesied him over him at the temple at his dedication. Old Testament had prophesied for years, hundreds of years, who Jesus would grow up and be. They knew who he was, and yet they lost him. They lost him at the feast that was all about him. If this was today, our phones would be gone off and there'd be an amber alert. Right? And as kind of crazy as this story is, we're really reliving it in our own country as well. Because as a nation, it feels like once again we've lost Jesus. Right? We've lost Jesus. 
Maybe in our retailers or city halls that don't want to have a won't put up a manger or schools who won't let anything be said about Christmas. Is it really possible to have a holiday and forget the person that it's all about? I mean, think about is it possible to have a birthday party and never acknowledge the person whose birthday it is? And let me just say, before we raise our fist at the ACLU or some liberal judge, let me just make an observation. Before he was ever allowed to be taken out of the manger scene in the town square, before he was ever taken out of a retailer's advertisement, we first allowed him to be taken out of the hearts of men and women and families all over this nation. I just want to share with you real quick how they lost Jesus. How Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. First of all, they were preoccupied with others. Mary and Joseph were preoccupied with other people. Oh, they've got the Messiah. They've got the Savior of the world, but their eyes are on other people. Joseph was with the men talking about what men talk about. Right? Golf. That's what real men talk about. Hunting, please. That's for sissies. Golf is where it's at. <laughs> the men were talking about what men talk about. And we got to be careful that we don't get so preoccupied with other people that we forget about the Savior. Who you're preoccupied with this year? You know, making sure you don't forget to buy a gift. For the person who was offended with you last year because you didn't get them a gift. Let me just help you out. When you get them a gift this year, they're still going to be offended. It's just the wrong color, right? The wrong size. I told you last week, don't spend all your time and energy going into debt, celebrating a savior that came to set you free. Right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This year for Christmas, our eyes shouldn't be on everyone else. It should be on the birthday boy. It should be on the Messiah, the one who is all about. They were preoccupied with others. Number two, they were busy preparing and celebrating the feast. So Mary was in charge of everything that was needed for the Passover meal. The bitter herbs, the lamb, the unleavened bread. If you've never served, if you've never celebrated, celebrated Passover, it's an amazing tradition we've done in our family ever since I was a little boy. Every year celebrating the Passover feast and you've got the bitter herbs and you've got all these different things that remind us of the Exodus and what God came to give us in the gift of Jesus Christ. But just as the men were talking about what men talk about, the women were talking about what women talk about, right? Probably Mary's dress. She's wondering if it makes her look fat. Right? Men, just men, listen. Listen, if your wife ever says, does this dress make me look fat? I promise you, God will forgive you if you're not completely honest. I just want you to know that. All right, so don't fall into that trap. I promise you, it is a trap. All right, so... Maybe she's wondering, do we have enough food, right? You know how it is at the holidays. Oh, I don't know if we have enough food, right? Have we forgotten anything? Yes, you did forget something very important. Mary was doing what moms do. Because let's be honest, moms really keep everything together. 
Isn't that right, ladies? Tell the truth. And men, we know it. Right? Moms just keep everything together. So this is the only story, Luke chapter 2, that we have about the birth of Jesus from his dedication, from his birth to the dedication to the miracle at the wedding feast. And I think there's a reason that God included this in Scripture. So that we don't get so busy with everything going on around us that we forget about Jesus. Listen to Luke chapter 10. It says this. Now, as they were on their way, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed, into, welcomed her, him into her house. You remember that Jesus had kind of a best friend named Lazarus, right? And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was so distracted with much serving And she went up to Jesus and said, now just get this right. So Mary, Jesus shows up, Mary's worshiping, but Martha is completely preoccupied with making sure the food's right, right? The roast isn't overcooked, the etouffee isn't too salty. Just trust me. So so Mary's worshiping, Martha's serving, and Martha goes and tattles on her sister Mary to Jesus. Okay, that's some serious tattletelling right there. Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion or Mary has chosen what is better, which will not be taken away from her. What he's saying is it's okay to serve. But the Messiah's here. Why are you serving instead of worshiping? And I think we got to be careful that all of our energy and all of our efforts don't go to serving everybody else. And we miss out on the opportunity to worship the Messiah. The other reason I think they lost him was they took their eyes off of him. It seems like Mary and Joseph would have been extra careful. This is their first baby. Remember the first baby? Like you were really careful the first one. The other ones, not so much. Listen, when, when we had Gabby, you know, I was 40 years old when I had my first child. Well, I didn't have a first child. But, you know, when Tara had Gabby and and I mean, like I like we were like great parents. Like we made sure we watched her. I mean, she would just kind of breathe wrong. And I mean, we're there. And that was Gabby. And then we had Madeline. And I remember Tara and I's biggest fight in 20 years of marriage. We've been married 20 years. I remember our biggest fight. I don't know how old Madeline was, but she was a baby. And all of a sudden, we're sleeping one night, and I hear her crying from the other room, the nursery. And, and all of a sudden, I realized, oh, no, the monitor's not on. And she's been crying. I don't know how long she's been crying. So I jump up. I go check on her and she's crying. I pick her up and I go back. I wake up Tara. I said, Tara, the monitor's not on. She goes, I know. I couldn't sleep. She was crying too loud. I'm like, what? I called Child Protective Services. They stepped in. She'd have never done that with Gabby. But this was the second one. It's all good. You know how that is, right? But Jesus is the first baby for Mary and Joseph. It just seems like. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
Can I just tell you? Any time of the year, you can go back to this scripture. But definitely at this time of the year where there's so much stress and there's I walked into Target yesterday to buy something. I literally got it. I walked to the register. Don't tell anybody. I just stuck it on the shelf and I left. I'm like, this isn't worth it. The line is like for everybody was at Target yesterday. I left. So he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. Listen, don't lose sight of the Messiah when everybody else is stressed out and everybody is dealing with the anxiety of the season. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. One of the other reasons I think they lost Jesus was they thought that he was with them. Obviously, the story says they thought that Jesus was traveling and then they did the head count. Right. And he wasn't. Jesus wasn't there. Just because you put up a tree and just because you sing carols about baby Jesus, just because you give gifts and maybe you go to church during the holidays, doesn't really mean the Savior is with the Savior is with you. Listen, going through the motions doesn't mean that he's in the midst of you. It would be terrible for us to go through the motions only realizing later that we completely lost the real meaning of Christmas. Judges chapter 16, verse 20 says this. You know the story, Samson and Delilah, right? Delilah was trying to find out where Samson's strength was. And she kept trying to trick him and he kept lying to her, saying that my, my strength is here. And she would he would fall asleep and she would trick him. And but he'd break out of it. And then finally. She ties up his hair or she shaves his head. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, like she had done all those other times. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go to out just like I have before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. There's so many people who think that because they celebrate the holiday. That Jesus is with them. Listen, Jesus is with those who accept him as Lord and Savior. I mean, God is with all of us. But relationship comes when you say yes to the Messiah. Relationship with him comes when you say yes to him as Lord and Savior. I want to give you a few thoughts real quick. How to keep Christ in Christmas. Number one. Remember that it's about him. Deuteronomy 811. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God. Set aside time for you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Don't forget that it's about him. Number two, remind yourself and others that it's about him. In a world that seems to be trying to make a statement Taking him out of Christmas, make a statement of your own. And listen, don't get out of, all bent out of shape at the world for just doing what the world does. That's not the enemy. They're not the enemy. You just do what you need to do, right? Understand that as Christ followers, we simply are called to shine the light of Jesus and share the love of Jesus with the people around us. Don't get mad at all the other people. Just share the love of Jesus with people. But make sure above all else that your family knows that it's all about him. Deuteronomy chapter six. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and they had seen God do all these great things. And this is what 
God told Moses in Deuteronomy chapter six, you shall teach them diligently to your children. This is the commands of God, the things of God and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know what he's saying? Make sure your children know what it's all about. And make sure your children know not only what, but why you celebrate the way you do. Number three, remain focused. Remain with your eyes focused on him. Psalms 105 verse four. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face. I grew up as a child in a church here in town. that's a well-known church. And my dad was an elder at this church. But this church didn't celebrate any holidays and really preached against all holidays. They didn't celebrate Christmas. They didn't celebrate Easter. They didn't celebrate birthdays. And my mom said, we may go to that church, but that's not what we're doing. And people from the church would come over and we'd have a Christmas tree and like they would want to you know, cast the devil out of us and stuff. And this is what my mom would always say. We have holiday traditions because I always want my kids to be able to come home for something. I want them to have a reason to come back home. Right. I look at some of those families that are so splintered and no connection. Because there was no tradition. There was no tradition to come home to. I just want to give you a few thoughts and then we're going to wrap up. I want to encourage you this year to be willing to share your Christmas story. You know, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave us a Christmas gift in the way of Jesus. But, you know, that's the gift that God gave to the world. It didn't become your gift until you unwrapped it. Right. It didn't become your gift until you said yes to him. And I want to encourage you to share your Christmas story. You know, at our house, every year for Christmas Eve, I sit down with our kids and I tell them my Christmas story. Every year I sit down with the kids and I tell them, I remind them about when I was seven years old and my mom kicked my dad out of the house and filed for divorce. And But then he was almost killed in an accident and a little Catholic chaplain came in and said, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And my dad said, I go to church. And the chaplain said, I didn't ask you about church. I want to tell you about Jesus. And when he got out of the hospital, my mom, I've told you this story before, but my mom let him come home until he recovered and then she had to, he had to leave. But instead of seeing the selfish Brian that she had always seen, he was grateful. And instead of being demanding like he always was, he was thankful. And all of a sudden she saw something was different. And he said, I said yes to Jesus. And then she said yes to Jesus. And then we all said yes to Jesus. And I remind my kids every year, not only of where we are, but where we could be. If we hadn't opened the gift of Christmas. That's your Christmas story. Every one of us have a different story. Your story is simply who I was, what Jesus did to reach me 
and who I am today. You should be willing to share your Christmas story. And let me just tell you, every year as I begin to tell the story, the kids go, Dad, we've heard this story before. Dad, we know your dad in Mississippi was a snowy night. The other guy died. He ended up in the hospital. The Catholic church. All that's true. But that's my Christmas story. Share your Christmas story. And then allow others to share their Christmas story. Ask people. Hey, what's your Christmas story? What do you mean? What am I doing for Christmas? No, how did you come to Jesus? Well, I don't know what that means. Well, let me share something with you. The next thing is this. Read the Christmas story to your family. Every Christmas Eve, Tara bakes a cake and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. And then I sit down with the, the kids and I read the Christmas story. Simply just Luke chapter one, Luke chapter two, verses one through 20. And before we open any gifts, we talk about the real gift. But we read through the Christmas story because we don't ever want to forget what this is all about. I would really encourage you men that if you've never done that before, that this year, You do that with your family. It's so simple. But it's simply an opportunity for you to remind them of what Christmas is really all about. And can I tell you why I read the Christmas story with my kids? Because my dad read it with us. And one day when my kids are in their 40s, my girls are in their 40s and they get married. They're going to read it. They're going to tell their husband, hey, read the Christmas story. Why? Because my dad did. Your dad did? Yeah, because his dad did. It's just what we do. I love gifts. I told you last week, gifts are my love language. I don't feel very loved. I can't wait to get to the gifts. I don't want to miss the moment. I don't want to miss the moment. I don't want to miss the moment as dad. Dads, don't miss the moment. Don't make a big deal. Just sit down and go, hey, this year we're going to do something different. Before we open the gifts, we're going to read the Christmas story. Don't miss the moment. And then lastly, pray and give thanks for the ultimate gift. Before you open other gifts. Dads, I want to encourage you. You need to lead. Husbands, you need to lead. You don't have to complicate it. Again, just read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And then say, hey, let's pray. And pray a simple prayer. Develop some traditions in your home. That number one, point your kids to Jesus. And number two, give them something to always come home to. Don't lose Jesus. I don't know what your traditions are, but just don't lose Jesus in the midst of everything you do. Because your your kids need to know that it's all about him. And one day, 
when they're raising your grandkids, your grandkids, your grandkids need to know it's all about him. Tell your kids how you came to Christ. I look across this room and I see some of your stories. I think of some of your stories. When was the last time you sat down and said, my wife saved a chair for me at church for a long time. And then one day, I showed up. One of my favorite people in all the world is Kim Menor's mama, Yvette. I love her, but she loves me a whole lot more than I love her. So Yvette owned bars. Yvette owned bars. She was the bouncer. And trust me, I believe her. She was the bartender and she was the cook. And she drank more alcohol every day than anybody should be allowed to drink. And that's true. But one day, Jesus showed up. One day Jesus showed up and the gift that he had given to the whole world, she finally unwrapped it for herself. And now Kim and Donald are here because Kim's mom unwrapped the gift. David comes here because Yvette opened the gift and her grandkids come here because was the last time you just sat down and told your, your story? There's no better time than Christmas because every one of you who have said yes to Jesus have a Christmas story. This is who I was. This is what Jesus did to reach me. And this is who I've become. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. You're not just a savior of the world. You're my savior. You're Gerald's savior. You're Yvette's Savior. You're Elijah's Savior. You're Cheryl's Savior. Father, today we pray. Help us to never forget what it's all about. Help us to never lose sight of your goodness, of your mercies that are new every morning, and your grace that is sufficient. And let us not just forget it for ourselves, but let us remind the people around us just how good you are.